Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, this is The Schwartz. You're listening to, what is that show again? We talk online. Oh, yeah, yeah, well... <laughs> Before I get started here, I actually just listened to Schwartz do the introduction, and we get a lot of crap when we say, uh, when we call him Schwartz. And I don't know if you noticed, but you guys probably didn't hear it. You'll have to listen to it later. He says Schwartz, and I realize there's no there's no T at the end, but he's pronounced it Schwartz. Um, so just a, you know, a little thing to think about before uh, before you go to bed tonight. Um, <laughs> a Z in German is usually pronounced with a TS sound. So then, so then we shouldn't be giving you know people shouldn't be giving us crap when we say Schwartz. Exactly. Okay. Das ist richtig. Okay. Good to know. Well, <laughs> uh, welcome to Wood Talk Online, episode seventy-two for June 29th, two thousand ten. On uh, today's show, we're going to be discussing a couple really cool things. We're going to talk a little bit about eye safety. Shannon had a bit of a close call and learned a little bit about eye injuries and treatments. Uh, we have some just for fun projects that we'd like to talk about with you guys, things that we've done that really aren't super functional projects, but we did them just cause it would be cool. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit, speaking of the, uh, the Schwarz, we're talking about popular woodworking magazine and you guys know that they made some changes recently and we want to kind of have a little review and see, have they kept their promise and what they were going to do with the magazine. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about which woodworking styles we think everyone should master. I'm kind of surprising the guys with that particular topic. And we'll talk a little bit about drum sanders. Uh, so before we get to all that, though, Matt, you want to tell them how they can get in touch with us? Absolutely. Now, as we always do at the top and bottom of every single one of our shows, we want to remind you there's a couple of different ways you can get a hold of us. If you ever have a comment, maybe a question or a suggestion about something you've heard on today's show or maybe something you'd like to hear on an upcoming show, you can reach us by email at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Or you can pick up the phone and leave us a message on our voicemail, which is 623 623- Two four two two four five zero. You can also find us over at Twitter at MBW Podcast or at Wood Whisper or at Renaissance WW. 
And of course, as we always do, make sure to have this information in the show notes for you to make it that much easier so that you, you don't have to write this all down and then keep rewinding over and over and over and over and over like the horrible loop I was just in. <laughs> and of course, you can always find this information over at woodtalkonline.com. And uh, that's pretty much uh, what we have. Uh, you know, now you've really thrown me off with the Schwartz's thing because I struggle all the time on the little show that I do, Spoken Wood, when it comes to his because I'm always trying so hard to make sure that I cut myself off at the end to make sure that I don't put that T on there. <laughs> right, right. And this is, this is going to be like, like popcorn in my teeth. Yeah. It's going to be there. <laughs> it's going to be able to get rid of it. Rocked your world, didn't it? Um, it has. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to rock your world again here and tell you to kill that video feed. All right, here it goes. Because you sound like duty. <laughs> and I think we let's reset the Skype call too. I'm going to pause okay. pause the recording here. And sorry folks, we're going to resume where we left off. So cancel the call and I'll call you right back. Um I guess let's we had a little technical difficulty there for those who are listening at home or later on. Um let's just go into what's on the bench and Shannon, what what seems to be on your bench this week? What's on my bench? <clears throat> well, um I some of you may remember we had the whole East Coast had just a crazy snowstorm back in February and we got like, I don't know, seven feet of snow or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I have this outdoor picnic table made out of redwood. We actually inherited it from my wife's grandfather. And yeah, there's a picture right there. It got a whole bunch of snow. That was actually in the middle of the storm uh, when that picture was taken. That's crazy. And it got a couple more feet on top of that and it just collapsed. Fell apart, oh, went flat. Might as well be in an Ikea, you know, flat stacked piece of furniture. Wow. And, you know, my thought was, okay, well, I've wanted to make a new table out there anyway. But because it was from my wife's grandfather, there's a little bit of sentimental value there since he's passed on. Sure. Um, this is actually the same gentleman that left me a whole bunch of tools that kind of really got me into woodworking. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to reclaim it. It's made out of redwood. Um, not a huge fan of redwood because it's a little soft, but, you know, I'm going to break it all down and got a couple of footstools to make from my Adirondack chairs. And I'll probably make like a little patio table out of it. Um, should be fun. Um, anytime I can reclaim something like that, it's, it's always kind of fun to give it new life. So that's on my bench. Sure. That is awesome. And that is a lot of snow and that's my dogs barking in the background. Um, UPS apparently decided to deliver in the middle of the show. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just want to apologize, Shannon. I actually, um, I stopped by that day and I was sitting outside <laughs> waiting for you to get up and it, it crunched. I freaked out and made a run for it, but I did a really good job of covering my tracks because apparently you didn't pick up on it. I heard that. I heard that Matt actually tried to do a snow angel on top of it. And that's when it, you know, had problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was a, it was a total hail Mary when that one happened. Let me tell you, it made, it made a God awful noise. Let me tell you. And it took us like an hour to figure out what it was. We're like running around the house thinking a tree fell or, you know, something fell off the front. We had these wicked icicles off the front of the house at the time. So we kept thinking, you know, what happened? What happened? And finally went out in the back and it was a flat table. So wow. I'm well, gonna, sounds have like some a fun with that. Worthy, Fourth of July weekend, we'll make some outdoor furniture. Yeah, it sounds like a worthy challenge for sure. Uh, the beauty of nature. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, Mr. Warbly Voice, Matt, tell us, uh, tell us what's up in your shop. Well, unfortunately, not a lot has been happening lately. It seems to be an ongoing theme. What is happening... I don't want to be happening, but it always, you know, whatever. Uh, I recently picked, wrapped up a series uh, uh, on my show about uh, bench planes, and this has been one of those things that a lot of newbies, a lot of the power to people who are kind of maybe looking at hand tools are kind of always asking questions about 
hand planes in general, like, you know, which one would you use and stuff like that. So that was my big thing. And let me tell you, it's like a weight off my chest. It's like the weight off of uh, Shannon's uh, uh, picnic table there. It's how, <laughs> how good it felt to be wrapped up with that that, that whole su- uh, series. Of course, I've got a, uh, more things coming up with some um, specialty planes. But it was kind of nice because the, the, the questions that came in from the audience on it really made me realize that, you know, I, I wasn't – I wasn't just fooling myself thinking that, you know, nobody really knows anything about these. It's amazing just some of the basic questions that people have out there about, you know, just just simple hand tools that I think some of us take for granted yeah. who have been maybe using them for a little while now. And it, it's really kind of neat helping somebody get their feet wet, wet with it. And then you get those questions like, you know, the other day I was uh, I was getting ready to make something with my saw and I realized I could do it with a hand plane and I thought wow cool um I still can't but it's not it's nice that you can <laughs> I still like to try once in a while <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah that well, I mean there's always new people getting involved and I think in where where we play where we have fun on the internet is a lot of times where people go for the first uh, sort of cursory look into a new hobby or something so the first thing they're going to find are blogs and uh, you know things like things that we do podcasts so we're going to constantly have uh, have to remind ourselves to go back to basics sometimes and talk about some of those uh, topics that we just take for granted after a while. You know, and I I think it's interesting because I've always wondered, like, you know, since we keep bringing up popular woodworking, the guys in the print world, you know, it seems like they're always rehashing kind of the same story with a new twist on it. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, what do you do? Eventually you've got to bring it up again because you talked about it five years ago and nobody has that issue or nobody remembers that issue. So you got to bring it up again. And I've actually found myself getting questions, um, and I'm thinking, you know, I did a podcast on that. And it's like, well, that was 85 <laughs> episodes ago. So no one even was watching the podcast on my, you know, 80, 85 episodes ago. So yeah. I found myself thinking about rehashing some of these topics and maybe putting a spin on it from, you know, two years down the road. What do I think now? So I think it's great, Matt. Yeah. See, that's that's the one thing is the, the not so much the rehashing of it, but putting that spin on like, okay, this is, yeah, like like two years from when I started doing it. And it's funny because that's one thing I've been thinking is I need to go back and kind of take a look at some of these subjects and talk about how I want to say how I've evolved. But perhaps in some situations I've de-evolved because I think I've gone backwards. But sometimes that's actually what you need to do because when you – I don't know about you, but there's been those times when I've gotten into um, something new where basically I really kind of – uh, overthink it, and I just jump so far into it that I'm trying to do something that even advanced people are like, "Whoa, I haven't even gotten that far. What are you doing?" And so it's kind of nice to dial it down and maybe take a look at what you've done to figure out, you know, where you are right now. If that makes any sense. Wait, if I'm here, then I'm there. Wait, you kind of get what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it's and it's a constant evolution. I mean, I, I don't do things the same way I did them three years ago. You know, even things I've done a year ago that I stopped doing or I learned a better way to do that. It's it's just constantly learning from other people. And there's always a different or better or potentially, you know, more fun or interesting way to do something. So you got to keep, you know, keep on the lookout and, and just be flexible. You know, the minute you stop changing things is the minute you stop learning, you know, so you have to kind of keep playing with things a little bit. Right. Yeah, I've, I've definitely gone back and looked at a couple of old posts and looked at a couple of my own videos and thinking, why in the world did I do it that way? You know, what was I thinking? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get that. After- I haven't so far, I haven't looked at any of the old ones and thought, how do I still have my hand? You know, I think yeah. I was at least I was still safe, safe yeah, back yeah. then. But man, I, I did some crazy, crazy <laughs> techniques to get like a dado 
Like, what was I doing? Why didn't I just put the data blade in there? <laughs> See, I get that right after every video. I get, you know, in the comments, why did you do it this way? Why do you have to do it that way? Right. <laughs> oh, oh, so, Mark, what do you have going on on your bench? Um, well, you know what? The bench is clear, but it won't be in a couple days. Um, you guys probably know the, the next guild build is coming up. And, well, yesterday actually went uh, probably the hottest part of the day. It was about 100 and, between 105, 110. Uh, I decided it was a great time to go pick up some lumber. And uh, what I have in the, the little picture there that folks in the chat room can see is a pile of lumber that will, in a couple of weeks, become a chest of drawers, which personally, if you guys don't do this, you should do it. It's kind of fun. If you go and pick up all your materials at once, just snap a picture of it when it's all together because it's incredibly cool for, you know, just to kind of, for your own memoirs almost, to look at a picture of all the, just a pile of crap that just looks like a bunch of different wood and boards and then show what you made with it, you know, to be able to take those raw materials and make something out of it. It's kind of fun. So that's that's what that picture uh, is right there. And you can see on the bottom right-hand corner is the, the SketchUp uh, drawing of the chest of drawers that we're going to be building. So if anybody is interested in that, go to woodwhisperguild.com and you can get all the, the details. But um, it should be a wonderful time. But I did want to mention, though, you know, a lot of people think, just in talking to people in conversations, that uh, if you live in a sort of remote place like I do, well, I guess it's not really remote, but in terms of having local trees to be able to harvest wood from, uh, we've got nothing. So you would think that our prices are really expensive, but I went to pick up this wood and I'm always pleasantly surprised at how cheap our domestic lumber is here. I was able to get uh, walnut for uh, $4.30 and or I might have those backwards, but the cherry, I, cherry and walnut, nothing was over, you know, $5. I think the cherry was like four, $4.30 uh, a board suck. foot. Yeah, you know, and there's people who live in areas that should be getting this stuff cheaper than I am. And seriously, some... Pennsylvania cherry, 20 minutes north of me, and it's like nine dollars. What's up with that? Wow. I mean, oh, wow. I don't know. So either way, I'm not. I'm not trying to brag. Yes, I am. But yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> but I find <laughs> I, here. I find myself very lucky, and I'm constantly surprised at how cheap this stuff is here in Phoenix. Um, it's not everywhere. If you go to like Woodworker Source. Uh, that's very expensive. But uh, if you go to a, a place that usually works with the industry, folks that are in the industry and businesses, um, you can get some pretty decent prices. So I was very excited about that. I'm going to go yeah. find an Amish guy with a treadle powered bandsaw. There you go. <laughs> Buy my wood from him. You could, you, he could pay you in like baked goods, right? Isn't that what Amish people do? <laughs> um, Trade you a goat. <laughs> a milking goat. Oh, All right. So <laughs> we, we do. Hey, I'm already halfway there. Um, we do have an event to to talk about here. I figure we can kind of have a segment that we'll talk about every week if there's any events coming up. So um, right. what what is yep. the deal with the registration with, with WIA, Matt? Well, right now it's still open. They still have it going on. And if you register by August 2nd, you can save $40 off the, uh, the regular registration fee. Hmm. You can find out all the information you need to know about Woodworking in America by heading on over to woodworkinginamerica.com. Uh, we'll have links, of course, in the show notes just to make it that much easier for you. Um, the, uh, like I said, the, the early bird registration by August 2nd, you can save, uh, you know, $40 off of the regular registration fee of $375, mm-hmm. so that would uh, take it down to 335 for you. Um, of course there's still some other events going on with that. I don't know. I'm looking at the site right now. I don't have on here whether some of the things are, uh, closed already. They just say attendance is limited, like the toolmakers oh, yeah. dinner. Okay. Uh, there's a, uh, keynote dinner, uh, marketplace admission, um, all that good stuff. So if you do register, hopefully some of these events will be open if you are interested. But if they're not, trust me, there will still be plenty to do because 
by the time you talk to some of your fellow attendees, you'll next thing you know, you'll find yourself having dinner with these people and, you know, uh, swapping woodworking stories um, like you won't believe. Yeah, so absolutely. It, it, this is the, I would have to say, the woodworking event of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, no like, doubt yeah, this is it. the the prom of the woodworking world. <laughs> only, only. Fortunately, oh, you I don't, don't think need we a date. Go with that. I really think we should stay away from that metaphor. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You don't need a date to this prom. I am <laughs> not going to be your prom date, dude. I am so going stag, and I'm having a great time. <laughs> That's what you yeah. tell yourself, but when you go home, baby alone... blue ruffles. <laughs> yeah. Next All thing right. you know, you're asking your cousin if she'll go with you. <laughs> yeah, this is way out of hand. Let's move on to... Uh, <laughs> does not speak for the rest of us. Yeah, let's move on to some great topics here. Shannon, so tell us about this eye in- injury. I-, I heard about you yeah. putting goop in your eye and all this fun stuff. Yeah. So, Well, if if you guys hadn't bailed last week, I, I was planning <laughs> on wearing an eye patch, but it, it was never actually that serious. <laughs> One thing I'll say about eye injuries is they heal really fast. Oh, um, that's good. But like if we had done this last week, I, I wouldn't have worn an eye patch, obviously, but my my eye would have been completely red. It was really scary looking. Um, I was actually just cutting my grass and something shot back and got in my eye. And, you know, it was one of those things where you felt it go in your eye and you kind of rubbed it to clear it out. And, you know, I was okay. But Mm -hmm. um, by the next morning, um, it hurt to open my eye. I mean, physically, I was in a lot of pain. And, you know, I go and look in the mirror and there's something rectangular, something not natural sitting right by my iris in my eye. And, uh, you know, it freaked me out. So by then I, I went to the doctor on Monday and there actually wasn't anything in my eye. It was actually an infection caused by a um, kind of an ulcerated cut right there on the cornea. Mm-hmm. And in a matter of 24 hours, it got really infected. Wow. And, uh, you know, it, the doctor was like, well, first of all, he starts telling me all these things like ulcer and infection, and I'm freaking out, thinking, oh "My God, I'm going to die! My eyeball's going to fall out!" <laughs> exactly. Did he just say MRSA? What? <laughs> <laughs> so you know, he's like, "Don't worry about it. You know, we'll put antibiotics on it. You should be fine in like three or four days." But I took the time to kind of talk to him about this. I said, "You know, I'm a woodworker, and we're always talking about eye safety and you know wearing your safety glasses and everything." It was funny because my doctor actually said, "Yeah, like Norm Abrams." I was like, yeah, like Norm Abrams, <laughs> always wear your safety glasses. <laughs> right. But he went on to give me some stats, and it was really kind of startling. He said that 90% of the eye injuries in, in this country, in America, um, they're really minor, but they escalate into a major problem if not treated within 72 hours. So infection can take on that fast. And a lot of people may think, you know, my eyes are dry, they're just kind of itchy, or, you know, I'm I'm allergic to something and they leave it alone. And at that point, they start turning into really scary things that can cause like lasting problems, blurry vision, blind spots, total vision loss, headaches, um, migraine headaches, sensitivity to light, and then actually um, macular degeneration, which um, the leading cause of eye loss within the elderly in this country is macular degeneration. So it's, it was kind of you know, startling. Eye opening. Eye opening. Come in so fast. You know. <laughs> well, that was a good pun. <laughs> so anyway, it's uh, it's interesting to think about it because I was out cutting my grass, you know, and I had hearing protection on. You know, I'd done something right, right, and you right. know, obviously, I have these glasses on, but they're tiny. They don't do anything to protect anything. So, you know, safety glasses are not just for the shop. Yeah, well, you know, and that's. Like <laughs> that's a good warning too, is that, you know, I know I'm guilty of this. I get something in my eye and, and most times I've never had to go to the doctor for anything in my eye, but I have right. had things that last, you know, maybe six hours, eight hours. And I just figure eventually it'll kind of, fl- the it'll system will flush it out. 
And you're right. I mean, if you're just toughing this thing out, you're thinking, ah, I've had something like this before. Don't worry about it. And then you wind up with an infection, you know, 48 hours later, that's bad news. So absolutely. Um, and if I hadn't actually seen something like in my eye, I probably would have just said, you know, suck it up, rub yeah, some dirt yeah. on it, walk it off. <laughs> right, but yeah. it, it, you know, because I saw it and it freaked me out thinking, you know, I've got a piece of grass or a twig or something. something in there. Yeah. So yeah, it was, uh, it was, a. Uh, a eye-opening experience. Yeah. Well, you know what? The, you know what the safest way to cut your grass is to pay someone, hire somebody pay else, someone to, else do it. to do it. <laughs> right. Seriously, I'm gonna get a cow. Okay. A nice right. herd of girt, goats. Just move them around. You can rent them out to the neighbors when it's done. Right. And you can trade them for lumber at the Amish sawmill. Oh, there you there go. You go. Yeah. Now, now we've little, come full circle. This is all working out. A little goat cheese, a little brandy, and the next thing you're like, "Opa!" And it's like you know, catching the house on fire. Then you have a whole other issue. <laughs> it was a Okay, that's just terrible. Okay, so we wanted to talk a little bit about our Just for Fun projects. And the reason I brought this up is because uh, I happen to be working on a a Just for Fun, actually just, let's call it a Just for Charity project. Uh, A friend of ours is doing a little charity thing for Muscular Dystrophy Association and asked if I would participate by making a vampire slaying steak out of wood. Yeah, definitely keep it away from your eye. And he is... um, Shoot your eye out. I don't know, is he a a priest, a reverend? He's some sort of holy dude. And he (laughs) is able to bless water, so he figured he would put holy water, and I think there's something else that we're putting in with the kit. Uh, But the the vampire killing steak and the holy water, and it's a vampire slaying kit that was available. (laughs) And uh, it was on eBay, and um, I I was hoping it would have sold for more, but I think... He kind of put it up before I was really ready, and I didn't get to publicize it as much as I would have wanted to. So it sold for like 71 bucks, but it just kind of helped toward the cause. Uh, but you could see a picture there of this vampire steak that I turned. And uh, I think the most surprising thing about this is, is people realize that I actually do use that lathe that I have. In my <laughs> <shop>. <laughs> Believe it or not, I actually do use it. It's not just for looks in the background, like a lot of my tools are. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so actually, how did you turn it? How did you turn that fine point at the end? Are you using a chuck? Uh, yeah, actually, I had it on a standard, um, uh, what do I have, a one-way, is it the talon chuck or whatever it is? Uh, right. So I had a little block at the end. It was, of course, just a regular spindle. It started off as just a spindle turning. Um, I turned it down to a pretty fine point, kept it connected to get most of the details done. And once all the detail work at the top was done, I brought it down to a really, really fine point. And and by that time, it's fairly light and well-balanced. So um, I used a little sandpaper at the end because I didn't want to put the pressure of an actual tool at the very tip on those last steps because it's a little bit wobbly. Um, So the sandpaper helped me get a little bit more to a a fine point. And it's a little bit blunt-edged. I mean, it looks really pointy in the picture, but for the most part, I wanted it to be relatively safe. Um, so the sandpaper did most of the work at the end, and then I was able just to cut the top off, hand sand the uh, the butt end of it, and give it some finish. Right. Yeah. So you another way you'd have vampire steaks to be unsafe. No, no. And you want a good finish to clean off the blood. So yeah, you'd you'd have to have a really big mallet to really drive that home. Is what you you know looks like. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know how effective it would be, but either way, it was fun. It's for charity. What the heck. You know, it's really kind of funny because this weekend, uh, Aiden and I were out and we were kind of, uh, we had to go uh, to my old uh, uh, university that I, I, had, I had gone to school for a little while. And while we were walking around campus, they were having a, uh, I think it was called a, a, a JFAX convention. It was a, a Japanese animation, anime uh, convention going on. <laughs> okay. And when we walked in, I swear, I saw a couple items just like that. These people were completely dressed up, head to toe. It was insane. And uh, there was, there was a ton of stuff like that. I mean, like, I found some sweet Doctor Who stuff. I, I couldn't believe it. It was 
Absolutely. And then Aiden was getting really embarrassed how geeky his dad was, and we had to leave, and oh, he had to be there. But it looked something like that, I, like what your your stake. I saw something like that. I swear. Well, I'm going. I'm going to Comic Con in uh, what is it? In a month or so, or two months? I don't know. But in San Diego, maybe I should make a batch of these. I could probably I could make a killing with these things. There. You would actually. Yeah, That'd definitely. <laughs> Oh, cool. Yeah, and hope nobody follows up with that killing. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> a vampire. Just, just tell them Sarah Michelle Geller actually used it on Buffy. Ooh, you go. should use Bloodwood. Ooh. Ooh. All right. So tell tell us this. I want to hear something about this one. This sounds great. What What's your project, Matt? Well, my project. This was um, several years ago, uh, long before the podcast. Had a, a friend approach uh, uh, approach us about a fact a costume that she was putting together for Halloween, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, what do, you, what do you want me to do? I was thinking like, you know, like some beads or something, or maybe I don't, I don't know. I was just kind of going all over the place with all sorts of stuff. She's like, I want platform shoes. <laughs> so, what? Well, I'm not a cobbler. <laughs> I might be a whittler, but I'm not a cobbler. And so what it turned out was she wanted to go as Gene Simmons for Halloween and she needed like those giant kiss boots. Now we had a little, we have a photo up here, not exactly the ones I put together, but the platforms really weren't that far off from there. And it, it's I, I, amazingly, I ran into her later on. She didn't break an ankle. She said she did fall over, but it had nothing to do with the shoes. It had something to do with the punch. Alcohol related. <laughs> it was, it was just, it was insane. It was, I, I, when I put them together, I, I tried to walk on them at one point and, and I, I, I gave up. It was worse than like trying to walk on like uh, uh, soup cans when you're a kid. <laughs> That's fantastic, man. That's great. That's awesome. Totally useless, yeah. but totally awesome. Yeah, I, I even went so far as to put a little sandpaper on the bottom so she had a little traction. Nice. So, you know, because all I could see was she'd just be walking along. They would buff up a little bit. And the next thing you know, it would be just like ice skating. But yeah, she said she had no problem. I think she might have actually won a contest, but uh, the shoes definitely didn't have anything to do with it because – the pictures I saw of her in the costume, she was a tiny, petite little thing, and you would never even know that, number one, it was a girl, let alone be as tiny as she was. <laughs> Dude, that's, that's awesome. What a great project. All right, yeah, this I really one... wish I had the actual photos of the, of the shoes. They yeah, were pretty if, if you did, If you can dig them up, definitely send them to us so I can post we'll it on the website. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, awesome. All right, what do you got there, Shannon? Well, it was funny because... You know, Mark put this idea out a couple of days ago and I started thinking of these useless projects. I'm like, man, I built some really wussy projects. I built like a doll picnic table. I built like a little house to put bunny figurines in. I was like, I've got Van Helsing and Gene Simmons here. I've got to come up <laughs> with something manly. And I wish I had pictures, but I built a proton pack when I was in sixth grade. Oh. Full on, you know, positron glider and a ghost trap and everything. And I actually did win the costume contest that year, but awesome. I don't have any pictures of that. But one thing I did build recently was a replica of the Ark of the Covenant, uh, inspired by George Lucas. And uh, this was actually for a Sunday school class. They were doing a story about like the real Ark of the Covenant. And I'm looking at all these actual pictures of it. And I was like, this is just not exciting. And I went and watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I was like, that's what I'm building, building that right there. It was fun. You know, it was, uh, I got a chance to carve and play around with uh, relief carving and those angels on top are kind of a pain in the butt to do. But, <laughs> yeah, you know. yeah, they look it. Now, did, did you take the lid off and melt everybody's faces when you gave it? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, that was part of it. Um, <laughs> church wasn't too happy with me about it. But, yeah. Dude, that is awesome. So you just have a gold paint on there? and Yeah, yeah I just took uh, the corner posts were like some maple turning squares and mm-hmm. everything else is just whatever I had lying around the shop. Um, the angels are made out of basswood because I had to – carve those and yeah 
came out really well. You know, I was, I was getting, it was funny as I was building it. I was like getting very ambitious. Like I had actually planned to do the carving on the top, like all the way around. Yeah. And I finished that front edge and I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm not doing anymore. <laughs> That's enough. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I was like all prepared to use like a metallic dry brush to give it like depth and texture. And I painted it gold. I'm like, nah, I'm done. Sure. Yeah. It looks good. No, that's uh, Did great, you make man. the matching headdresses that you would need to carry that appropriately? Or the uh, the, the breastplates, loincloths? Uh, that'll be next year. Oh, that's <laughs> Dude, that's great. Yeah, I mean, these projects are great. I mean, they're not really... You got to do these. If you have the ability to do it and just an opportunity comes up, it seems like, ah, it's a waste of time. But it's incredibly fun just to go in there and use your, your skills to craft something that is is nothing more than just fun. You know, it really makes you yep. appreciate what, what you've learned how to do. Yeah, not everything you build has to be super serious. So absolutely. That's true. All right. So one of the other topics we wanted to discuss tonight is popular uh, woodworking, which is one of my personal favorites. And as we know, um, several months ago, what are we on? Like three issues into the new new series that they did where they basically merged Woodworking Magazine and Popular Woodworking Magazine. I'm sorry, Popular Woodworking into a new entity called Popular Woodworking Magazine. Um, lots of folks were concerned, you know, because they're losing two subscriptions and they're gaining one uh, out of this. And they made a few, you know, promises about what this new magazine was going to be and that it was really supposed to be a genuine merge of the two types of content. The problem is they were two very different magazines, uh, despite right. the fact being that they were written by the same people, very different. You know, the the woodworking magazine had no ads. It was written in more of a cohesive uh, cover to cover manner um, than popular woodworking and popular woodworking was the one that you know got the advertising they have to talk more about tools they have to uh, have more ads in there so so it was interesting to see this and now we're on like I said what issue three um, and I wanted to revisit it and see you know how, how is the magazine doing what do we think about where it's gone um, and did they actually achieve the goal if the goal you know I might be overstating this but if the goal was to essentially create something that was a merger uh, representation of both of those magazines. Did they do it? So I definitely have an opinion on this. That's uh, I'll, maybe I'll save mine for last. What do you guys think? Go ahead, Shannon. Okay. Well, I think, um, you know, you can't help but compare it to woodworking magazine because they use, you know, all the same type settings and the quality of the paper and everything. It looks so like, first I mean, glance, on the cover, you look looks... at it and go, it looks like woodworking magazine. Exactly. But, um, <clears throat> Mark and I were actually talking right before this started. And I think we both agree that, it's it's not woodworking magazine. It's not popular woodworking magazine. It's kind of this own third entity. And what I really like is one of the things woodworking magazine did is their articles kind of interrelated to one another. Um, mm-hmm. the, the one that comes to mind is that uh, shaker table that uh, Chris Schwartz built. <laughs> yeah. um, it was probably one of the very first woodworking magazines. And like throughout it, there were techniques like joinery techniques that basically illustrated the joinery that we, you were using to build the shaker table. Mm-hmm. And I've seen them carry some of that over, um, but not so strictly, you know, they're, they're doing like a joinery segment like this, um, this month they have that, um, what is it? Mitered, uh, mitered half lap. Yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a really, really well done article talking about a very specific technique. And then you can actually see where you would use it in some of the projects later on. Um, certainly the ads are back, but I just, I don't notice them that much. And, yeah. um, you know, not to steal any of your thunder mark, this is what you're going to say, but I think we were just talking about this. They kind of have spaced them around the shorter articles and they have left like the feature articles without ads. 
so they're completely uninterrupted between it. So I, I'm really happy with it. I really like it. The one negative I'll say is I kind of enjoyed getting two more magazines. Um, yeah. I, I liked getting my popular woodworking and my woodworking just because no one ever writes me and I like getting mail. So. <laughs> well, I mean, and it's two, it's two vastly different experiences, you know. Yeah. Yes. And it took me forever to actually get to them and read them all when you're getting, you know, fine woodworking. And, and like I said, Wood Magazine still shows up at my house. I don't remember subscribing to them. I think it must have been given to me as a gift one year, like a multi-year subscription, because I keep thinking this is my last issue and one showed up just the other day. So, right. hey. There you go. Nice. Uh, right. Your perspective, Matt, what do you think? Well, you know, to, to be quite honest with you, what I did is I grabbed the the current one, the August 2010, and then I grabbed the August 2009 issue. And I, I was just sitting here and I was kind of Scientific. flipping through them. Yeah, I do that once in a while. It's very rare. <laughs> um, it actually, you know, But one thing I did find, you're right about the uh, the ads. I went through and I kind of counted them up. And basically, they they do exactly what you're talking about. They They put the ads in certain locations, which I really like. In the older one from 2009, you will find a few ads in between the big articles, but you know it, that does kind of get in the way. I I liked the layout of Woodworking Magazine where there were no ads. I understand they have to have it because it's one of the ways you make money, so you can sure. pay the authors to keep on going. Mm-hmm. Really, when it comes down to it, I think the, the the big thing that I like about the new format, the new layout, is I'm a pictures guy. <laughs> I yeah. hate to say it, but I really am, and and I like. The, the the pictures are much larger. The the the, the color on them to me looks like a, a lot better than they did in the the previous one because the two thousand nine article I'm looking at them the pictures are much smaller and they're almost a little bit yellow. But yeah, to be to be quite honest with it, other than bigger pictures, and I, I have to agree with you, Shannon. Really, I didn't think about it till after you kind of pointed out the way that it flows a little bit, kind of staying continuous with each one of the articles. I hate to say it, but I really didn't notice that much of a difference between um, what I saw before and what I'm seeing now. Maybe it's just maybe I'm really missing the bigger picture. But other than the big pictures in the magazine, um, I, I really don't notice a huge, huge difference. Now, when you're saying a difference between popular woodworking and the new magazine or between woodworking magazine and the new magazine? Um, I guess between the, the two of them, the only difference I'm noticing with this is when I look at the, the new format, the popular woodworking magazine, the combined two of them, mm-hmm. um, when I compare that to just woodworking magazine, um, the only difference I'm seeing there, when I just look at just the articles themselves, nothing else, just, just the content, yeah. the only difference I really see is that it's, uh, the pictures are color, not black and white. And then now <laughs> when I compare popular woodworking magazine, the combined effort, Compared to the old popular woodworking, um, again, just the way everything's laid out, I, I don't see that big of a difference other than bigger pictures. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, th- I think for me that that's good because I think one of the fears I had when they were going to do this was somehow content to some degree or another was going to be redone in a way that I, I wouldn't get the same from that I did from both magazines. Does that make sense kind of? Yeah, well, I mean, they're they're compressing two into one. There's got to be loss somewhere. Something's got to give, you know. Right, exactly. And and the the way I look at it right now is when I'm looking at the new the new format, I don't feel like I've lost anything by having the two of them put together. If anything, it's the same thing. It's just now I have bigger, brighter, beautiful pictures. Right, and and I I agree. I do like the novelty of the black and white stuff, but in the long run, I really want to see things in full color. I want to get an appreciation for you know, uh, slight variances in, in hue and, and color and tone and things that are in the wood. 
um, those things are important to me. So I really have a, a, a strong preference for color photos. Um, yeah, I can actually remember like if there was a, a you know, whatever was on the cover. Mm-hmm. I actually remember in Woodworking Magazine, like flipping back to the cover so I could see it in color. Yeah. Um, yes. Because I wanted to see, you know, the warmth of the wood or whatever. Yeah. It's yeah a good and, point. and finishing is going to be a really difficult topic to cover in black and white anytime because color is a major part of finishing. Um, so, I mean, for me, I might be a little bit more critical about one one major thing. One of my favorite things about Woodworking Magazine and you touched on this, Shannon, was the continuity from article to article. And, and we actually used the same exact example. I was going to talk about the, uh, uh, the shaker end table uh, as a great example of probably, I think, one of the most perfect examples of how a magazine could be dedicated to one project yet cover a ton of different things in detail. Um, I counted the pages, and I did it really quick so I could be a little bit off. But with their, you know, let's say you're building a shaker end table, you've got the drawer, you've got the top. Um, they actually had, you know, broken out articles on how to make a good top out of solid wood. Then they did another one on, you know, let, I'm just pulling these out of my top of my head right now, but maybe one on the specifics on the drawer installation. Um, so we're looking at at least 17 pages of content devoted to that one project. Now, not all under the heading of that one project, but covering the individual things in detail that when it's all said and done, you've got 17 pages devoted to a shaker end table. Um, you know, and to me, that was an amazing amount of coordination that must be done to get that to come out right. So I can understand why that's really, really hard to do all the time. Um, but I think there's a vast difference between what Woodworking Magazine provide in that arena to what we're getting out of popular Woodworking Magazine now. Um, this, to me, is much more, in, in those terms, much more like popular woodworking than it is like Woodworking Magazine. Um, you, that, you know, I'm sorry, Mark, no, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. The one thing I'll say, and you know, I, I don't think this should be entirely positive. I don't know if they're still a sponsor of the show or not, but still, <laughs> um, the one thing their idea was to embrace both new media and old media. And I somehow wish that the online stuff was a little bit different, more supplementary. Yeah. Cause it seems like, mm-hmm. um, I was a little shocked to see, um, the, the amount of time they put on the new bench and the, and the latest magazine, because Chris basically blogged about that. Right. Um, and you know, it, it, to me, it felt like it was a review and it I, seems I had to that me same the online reaction. video should be, you know, compliment it, not, yeah. you know, be the same thing. Right. Um, I'd like to see them do more diversity in their online content. Well, don't you think that's going to be a major area for, for all magazines to have to figure out, are we repurposing this? You know, is our audience duplicated? The people who read the magazine, are they also the people who read the blog? And the way things are being done now, the assumption is no, they're not. Because obviously you wouldn't necessarily want to give the same information to people twice. Uh, You know, so I think you're right. It would be interesting to see if it was truly supplemental as opposed to a little bit redundant. Um, You know, so that that actually, you know, in addition to the continuity, that was one thing I was going to bring up, too, is that I I hope that they wind up doing a little bit more in the future. But I think really we're looking at baby steps here Um, because I looked at the end of the articles. I did see, you know, I actually wanted to test it out. I saw a a reference to a number of things on the back of uh, Roy Underhill's article and I went online and I looked at what they said would be there. Sure enough, everything was laid out perfectly. The links were all there exactly as they said they were. And I was able to find what I was looking for. So I thought that was fantastic. Um, definitely keeping up the promise in, in in terms of having the content where it's supposed to be. Um, but ultimately, I think you're right. I think they, they, if they can coordinate that to give you a bigger picture where it is uh, not redundant, I think that would be a great thing. 
Um, I do have another, a couple other positive things that I do want to mention because I, I don't want to make it seem like we're, we're knocking them in any way. Um, there are some great things about what this new magazine has become that neither of the old magazines were. And I think, I think that should be celebrated. I think they have a lot more of a stronger sort of real world design focus, uh, design topics that normal people can understand without having to go to school to learn this stuff. Uh, not talking down to, to people in any way, but actually showing us things that we can really use in our shops. And uh, George Walker is, you know, at the helm there. He's doing great work yeah, sh- showing absolutely. everybody just common sense stuff, right? I mean, with right. proportions and ratios and whatnot. So great stuff from him. Um, you know, I think they have an incredible assortment of writers. And what they're able to do with that is bring in personalities and let those personalities shine. Um, they let the the authors actually bring a tone to the article that I think is missing from some of our other, you know, magazines and you know, namely like fine woodworking. I think fine woodworking tends to be a little bit more sterilized in the mm-hmm. sense of personality. And I think popular woodworking is all about the personality of the person who's writing that article, um, which I really appreciate as someone who likes blogs. Uh, let's see a couple you other know, things. Th- that's a really yeah, great point. If I can kind of break in there, because that's do. one of those, if you, when you take a class with some of these people, it's really kind of funny. Like you have your expectations when you read an article of what you think the person is going to be like because of the way that they, they, they write it, the way that the sentence structure is, the way that you read it. And then sometimes you get into a class with these people and you're like, how come I wasn't like that when I read the article? Because you just <laughs> you're the exact opposite of what I thought you were going to be. Right. Yeah. So yeah. the fact that they, they do let the, the author's personality show through that that says quite a bit. You know, it's interesting you bring that up, Mark, because I do think popular woodworking has a diversity in their authors. I mean, it was great to see Toshio Adate mm-hmm. in there today because um, there's been so much focus on Western styles. And then to have this, you know, you know, I don't know what you call the master, Japanese master woodworker show up. Yeah, that was really cool to see that. It's interesting, though, that you bring up the sterilization, if you will, of fine woodworking, because I don't know whether you saw this, but. They just posted a call for bloggers I on did their see website. That. Yeah, I did. You, you know, I, I wonder if that's what that's about. You know, people are tired of just hearing from, you know, Christian Bexfort and um, Garrett Hack and, and all those guys. You yeah, know, the but, same group of guys. But, it, but you, know, it, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I subscribe to Fine Woodworking as well. I think they're two very different audiences. Yeah. And I wonder, has popular woodworking actually declared their demographic? You know, we kind of all recognize Wood Magazine as being kind of the junior level demographic where you apply your through tenants instead of actually cut your through tenants. You know, and fine woodworking always has very advanced projects and some crazy art pieces. Popular woodworking is kind of in the middle. Um, The one thing I'll say about the new version is it does seem like they're integrating a little bit more advanced stuff. Yeah. Woodworking Magazine always seemed a little bit more basic. It was kind of like we're building your skills. We'll get to more advanced stuff later. So I don't know. I wonder if they're going to just stay in the middle or I wonder if they know because it does seem like there's a little indecision there. Yeah. Heck, and, I say and, you just got to walk into the Knott's forum over at Woodworking to find out what their audience is like no, once in a while. You know what? Let's <laughs> let's hope that that's not the case. Then That, that, that yeah. forum, I don't know. There's something there's there's definitely some weird gas being distributed to the people in that forum. I mean, there, there's, there's good people in there, of course, like any community, there's good people, but there's also a bunch of nuts. But, um, you know, the thing, the thing with the fine woodworking stuff is like, you know, I guess it's part of the product that they put out because they do sort of, and, and sterilize is a strong word. I don't mean to, to mean that sure. so negatively. 
Um, but they want you didn't the, say it. I did. <laughs> yeah, but they they want it to be a unified voice. They want there to be consistency from magazine to magazine. The risk you run when you have something like popular woodworking, where you let those voices speak out, is that the tone can change from issue to issue. Now, some people like that, some people don't. So it's a matter of what really appeals to you. Um, and and uh, and to go back to what you said about the the blogging thing, that that is something that people should know. I'll, I'll try to put a link in the show notes to this. They did have a call for bloggers who want to participate on this new, uh, very beginner oriented uh, website where you can contribute, and as a blogger, you can provide content. The editors say that they're going to go there uh, and actually participate. You know, all of this is very interesting, but that to me, that's like you know, there's still a mentality to be like, let's play with that, but let's shove that in the corner online. Right, um, right. You know, I, I would like to see more of that in the magazine because I happen to favor that type of personality. And, and that's why I tend to favor the popular woodworking style in a sense. Although I will say the information in the last fine woodworking magazine was just top notch. I mean, the last the last issue, maybe it just had a lot of topics that really, um, really spoke to <laughs> yeah, me. That was a Spagnolo issue. It totally I mean, was a Spagnolo finishing, issue. Finishing, <laughs> taking photos of your pictures, you know, yeah, that was, that was catered to work. <laughs> Dude, I, I loved this particular issue. But anyway, so we're, I think we're going on a little bit long about this stuff. The bottom line is, I think it's great that the magazines in and of themselves are relatively diverse in their target audience, whatever that may be, and the personality of the magazine. And that's, you know, different strokes for different folks. And I, I hope they both are incredible successes. You know, bottom line. You know, one thing we can say about popular woodworking, though, they seem to be the first to embrace the Internet community. Mm-hmm. Um, look, look at this. And, and please, let's not talk about it. I'm just going to bring it up. The table saw thing, the legal, you know, the... You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the yeah, the, the recent uh, lawsuit. Right. Who was the last person to pick up on that? Although Wood Magazine just published it. But it was like popular woodworking was there. By the time Fine Woodworking got around to doing it and talking about it, it's yeah. like, you know, we're done with this issue. So I, I have to admit, popular woodworking is moving at the speed of the internet, which is huge for them. And having had a, a few conversations with Chris Schwartz, because some of you may know I work in internet marketing my day, so I'm very in tune to this stuff. Yeah. I actually um, contacted Chris when they first announced this saying, how can I, what can I do to help? Uh, frankly, can I sell you something? But um, <laughs> it, they are, they're on top of it, you know, and it's tough because these traditional magazines, these print publications are very resistant to it. They don't want to throw a bunch of money into this newfangled online thing. Yeah. But, um, and, and, Find woodworking throwing out that post saying, hey, let's bring some bloggers in is a perfect example of let's just kind of throw this out there and see what sticks. You know, let's not sink any money into it. Right. Uh, if they really want it to be successful, I hate to say it, they're going to have to pay some bloggers to produce content in yeah, order to keep yeah. it the quality they're looking for. Well, here's the thing that I hear. And if people, if you're not interested in this type of stuff, you know, fast forward five minutes and, and we'll be back <laughs> to normal woodworking talk. But um, the thing that drives me nuts with that is although in some instances paying bloggers can work, to me it's a very disingenuous way to start a community because it, it's a false way. And I've seen it fail countless times. Uh, tool companies have tried to create online communities by sort of on the side making these little deals like, hey, you know, can we, you know, if you come over here, we'll pay you per post. And they just fall apart because there's no genuine effort uh, uh, from the top one of down. those emails today, actually. Oh, did you see? I mean, <laughs> yeah. and the thing is, I, I mean, we, I turn them down all the time, you know, because it's it's just not a genuine community. And I think you're right. I think popular woodworking and with, you know, especially with Chris um, and they've got George Walker who, who blogs constantly. 
Um, he's got great blog posts that are, you know, magazine article worthy, just like Chris's. Um, you know, these are guys who are really out there doing it. You're right. They're fingers on the pulse. They're listening. They're out there paying attention. They're responding to comments. It's a genuine effort. I don't think that fine woodworking is giving it that genuine effort. They've got a few people who are in there who are in the mix on the website. Um, but, you know, with this new thing, I'm really going to be anxious to see how they handle it. Asking people to come in and do that work, there's there's thousands of blogs where people can go and learn from their fellow woodworkers or, go, you know, lumberjocks is a great example. Um, what would make fine woodworking's effort different is if the editors truly went in there and made a solid effort to put the example of how these blogs should be and really communicate with people, not, you know, just from nine to five because it's their day job, but to actually be in there because they want to be in there and communicate with people. That is how Absolutely. it's going to succeed. And if they don't do that, it's just going to fail. It's going to be white noise. Mm-hmm. Just, just look at how much Robin Lee hangs out on Woodnet. You know, he's mm-hmm. in touch with the pulse of his target audience, basically. I mean, the guy is, is very communicative and he has a lot of friends on Woodnet. I think John Economaki, he doesn't talk much, but he listens. He absolutely listens. Right. Um, and that, that's the sign of a good marketer, in my opinion. I just don't see the rest of these folks listening very much. What other magazine has highlighted Tree Frog? You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, and that is a uh, let's see. Do we have that here? We have that in around the web. So, you know what? We I think we've talked about this plenty. Yeah. So let's let's move on. We will be talking about Tree Frog's chair later on, which is fantastic. Uh, and they did blog about it, which is great. So congratulations, Tree Frog. But we'll, we'll get back to that in a minute. Absolutely. <laughs> OK, so enough about uh, destroying any chances of sponsorship for magazines. Um, <laughs> we do have a email here that I was going to read. And I'm wondering if we should save this for next week since we're going long on time. It's a it's concerning what styles that we can build upon. Let's do that. Let's put that yeah, next week. Yeah, let's set it aside and we'll come That's back to that one. Make itself. everybody think about that. We're, people, yeah. we're going to be talking about styles coming up next week. So think about, or in the next episode, think about what you want us to talk about and then we might not talk about it. <laughs> right. right. And really, bring, the, the bring pl- your parachute pants and your thriller jacket. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yep. Sorry. That's so right. And we mullets. Still have that. Wear your mullets. I will be wearing a bandana around my leg. Okay, yes. that was mine. <laughs> right. Okay, so let's go into the around the web uh, arena and see what's cooking. Shannon, you got a couple things to tell us about? Yeah. Um, Tico Vote. TicoVote.com um, is a guy that's actually, um, I'd, like, I, I'd like to say he's been a fan of the Renaissance Woodworker for a while. I've been swapping emails with him for a long time. Very talented woodworker. And he jumped into the shooting board realm. And there really isn't, other than Evenfall Woodworks, isn't anybody really making shooting boards? And maybe that's because you say because it's not hard to make a shooting board. But mm-hmm. his super shoot is pretty dang cool. And he's just started production on it. If you go to Tico Vote, it's T-I-C-O-V-O-G-T dot com. You can, he's got a separate page dedicated to the super shoot. And, you know, if I admit to being a little lazy sometimes and not wanting to actually build the appliances and things in my shop. Um, mm-hmm. I've been talking about building one of those donkey ear things for my shooting board oh, for probably yeah. five years and I still haven't done it. <laughs> okay. um, th- this could be a solution for me. I mean, I have a <laughs> shooting board that I use, but it doesn't have a miter attachment or that donkey ear attachment on it. Um, he's got the bed of the board actually angled. So you're using the full width of the blade. So if you have a, a plane dedicated to shooting board, you're not wearing the exact same spot. Um, which is a real pain to resharpen when only the center like inch is dull. Sure. So it's it's a pretty cool product, um, and I'm curious to see how he does with it. Cool. Sounds um, good. Speaking of new products, um, good friend of mine, Mark Carell over at Bad Axe Toolworks, has just put out 
two new saws. It's 12 inch and 14 inch saw. Um, I have a 16 and an 18 inch and they are probably the most used tools in my shop. These are, they are amazing. And I, I don't recommend going out and buying one right now. Go to a yard sale and buy some crappy thing, then tune it up yourself, use it for a little while, then go buy a bad axe tool. And, and you know what we're talking about. Because <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. it, it's, it, it's a subtle thing. How he sharpens his saws and how he tunes his saws is very, very subtle. But if you haven't had a lot of experience working with saws, you'll think, wow, this is a great saw. I get great results with it. But it's just like in hand planes. Go buy some crappy hand plane, you know, and use a Lee Nielsen. And yeah, you really yeah. gain respect for it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, badaxetoolworks.com. Um, is great place to go and uh, go buy some of his new sauce. Cool. Sounds good. All right. I ran across a website and those of you who uh, play with SketchUp a lot, you probably already know about this and you'll make fun of me for just realizing that it exists. There's a, a website out there called sketchucation.com. Have you guys heard of that? Um, if nope. it has anything to do with education, no. <laughs> it's got education in the word. I generally ignore it. Uh, yes. Yeah. So it's called sketchucation.com and it just... It's just so thick with SketchUp stuff and SketchUp news and SketchUp plugins and all this stuff. If you're a SketchUp junkie, you probably already know about it. But if you didn't, you need to go and check this out. It's called SketchUcation.com. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, I do want to also mention, like this, Tree Frog's uh, chair that he made. It was written up on the popular woodworking blog. And if you want to see the entire thing, of course, uh, Tree Frog blogs about this stuff as well. TreeFrogFurniture.blogspot.com. And Tree Tree is a good buddy of mine and actually probably a good buddy of a lot of people here. Um, he ventured to actually build the Maloof-inspired rocker from the Charles Brock set of plans. And I believe it's like a book and a DVD. And he tells his whole story about how he approached it and what his thinking was. And this was his first time look, you know, going into curvilinear work as opposed to sticking with, uh, you know, stickly mission style, more straight stuff that he was used to. And he did a killer job on this thing. Um, you got to go oh, to the website amazing. and look at it. I mean, that that walnut is to die for. That is just gorgeous walnut. That is absolutely. That is just amazing. Fantastic job, Tree. That is that is really, really beautiful. If you're listening to this, you're not watching the live feed, definitely uh, head on over to Tree's blog and check it out. It is gorgeous. Yeah. Very nice. This piece. is one of those projects that I worry about because I build it and I'd never get back to the shop. I would just sit <laughs> in it. Just yeah. feel like I'm never going to get any better than this. This yeah, is it. That's it. You know, that's the pinnacle. Just gonna, just gonna read my popular woodworking magazine, <laughs> rocking my chair, <laughs> and just blog, blog all day long. Yeah, I mean, beautiful job, really, really good stuff. I, I actually built alongside of, of, I had the pleasure of building alongside of uh, Tree Frog at one of Daryl Peart's classes. So um, we had a little friendly race going on, which I constantly lost, by the way. Um, yeah so all right um moving on to the next thing i did want to mention that we have a thread going on in the community forum that i thought a lot of people would be interested in because this comes up once in a while we talk about that sort of woodworking funk i mean after all it's a hobby and hobbies go sort of with the the ebb and flow and you're into it for a while then you need a break then you're into it so someone just posted a question about you know is this is this normal you know what what do you guys do to get out of the funk and there's a lot of good opinions in there about how you handle this situation. And I know all of us go through it. So um, just, you know, if you want to go over there, I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, it's in the forum and it's a pretty good thread. So check that one out. Sweet. You know, I, I forgot to kind of throw this in our notes. I had one that I, I just thought of a second ago, and that's uh, the folks over at Lumberjacks have their summer 2010 woodworking awards. Oh, and since it's almost that, right? July 1st, 
Uh, your submissions go in uh, for the whole month of July, and then voting starts for uh, the first week in August. Do you know what the category is? Have you have you seen this one at all? It's it's, it's a yin and yang or lightning dark yeah, or something. It was yin and yin, yin and yang last time, wasn't it? It's um yeah. Oh, it, it's 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 movement or something. It has like it, something about grass flowing and yeah, it, it fluidity. Fluidity. That's it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, like gla- grasses swaying in a summer breeze. The fluid motion is visible in the solid form of the wood. So. Uh, we'll make sure to have links in there, even though I, I forgot to put this one in there. Uh, so if you remember Lumberjacks, uh, you've got your new competition. If you're not, there's uh, no reason to join or not to join because it's uh, totally free. Yeah. I almost said it the wrong way. There's no reason to join. <laughs> Don't do it. Yeah, like just fluid, just like like Vanderlist with a handsaw over uh, over a board cutting hand cut dovetails. There, ooh, yes. I like that. Fluid and smooth. Fluidity. Ooh, flu- I was amazed I said fluidity the correct way. <laughs> right. Druidia. <laughs> Druidia. 1-800-Druidia. <laughs> so okay. glad you got that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm never going to miss a Spaceballs reference. Okay. So we have, a, uh, we have voicemail here. This was actually a carryover from last week, but we didn't get any other voicemails because nobody loves us. So this one is from Jim, and he's got a question about drum sanders. Hey, Matt and Mark, it's uh, Jim Woodward, and Woodward again. Um, got a new question for you guys on drum sanders. Uh, considering getting one for the shop, I, Grizzly was advertising, it went off on one of the popular woodworking blogs or woodworking magazine blogs, uh, their new polar bear line, which seems to be kind of marketed towards the serious home woodworker. And one of their items in the line is a baby drum sander, a benchtop baby drum sander, but it can only handle 12-inch width. It's not an open end. Um, kind of curious as to how much that would limit me, or should I really be looking to save up a little bit more money and get uh, one of the larger units or possibly one that's an open end so you can swap boards back and forth? And I've also never used it. Do you tend to use it in your shop with the same grit of paper on it all the time, like an initial sanding grit between, say, 80 to 120 maybe, and... Um, or 100, 150, and then just don't bother to change it and then do your final sanding with a random orbital sander. And how difficult is it to change the paper? And once you pull the paper off, I know it, it, you wrap it on there in a spiral. Once you pull the paper off, is the paper wasted, or can you put it back on again uh, to change grits? Can you save papers, or do you have to keep a steady supply if you're going to be a regular changer of grits on this thing? Anyway, uh, looking forward to your answer. I'll talk to you guys later, and appreciate it. Thanks. Okay, great question from Jim. Um, do either of you own a drum sander at this point? No. Negative. Okay. And I actually want to know this question too. because Okay, and there are a lot of questions. So I, I forgot to write them down, so I tried to jot them down as I was going because I have a tendency to forget what the actual question was as I'm talking. Um, you know, I, I would think I would love to have a drum sander because I think it's one of the things that's kept me from like bent lamination. Yeah, yeah. Because isn't that the easiest way once you've bandsawed it? You know, I mean, granted, I'll hit it with a hand plane or something like that now. But to me, all those years of watching David Marks, you know, he just <laughs> resawed it and then ran it through the drum sander. You know, his three thirty-second yeah. or sixteenth of an inch laminations, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I think that's what I would use it for. So if that were the case, then this little yeah. baby drum sander would probably be okay because you're not really going to be running wide things through it. But Mark, have you ever like? Because I know you have an open-ended one. Do you ever flip it around and run the other side through? 
And does it really line up? Now, I may be alone in this, but I don't because I find that at the end of the paper, I tend to get some sort of a line. And, and as much as people may say, oh, you got to tune it up so that it, you know, so that it's a little bit higher on the outside end, the trailing end. And this way, when you flip it over, it doesn't create a ridge. It, I don't know. I, I kind of like to have my drum sander perfectly level with the, you know, with the, um, uh, the conveyor and the surface. So it always seems to leave a transitional line where I flipped it over. So no, I, I don't do that. And I very, very rarely have the need. Most times when I glue up a tabletop, it's pretty close to, to perfect. Once, you know, once I have everything glued up, if anything is you know slightly out of level, I'll either grab a smoothing plane or a card scraper or something to, to level it out and do the final work and then hit it with a random orbit sander. So um, I never, and I literally mean never, use the feature of, you know, the open-ended aspect of a drum sander. So to me, that's why I got a wider one because I want to do things, you know, with the regular confines. I don't want to have to flip things. So I've got the, what is it? The 2244 uh, by Jet. So that, that works fine for me. Now I would be a little bit limited by the 12 because I've gotten used to having so much, you know, area with the 22. But if really all you're doing is, let's say, doing veneer, uh, maybe you're doing bent laminations or you're just sanding cabinet parts, uh, you know, frame parts for a door. It, it, you're going to be fine with the 12. And this particular unit that he um, that he talked about, this Polar Bear series, actually, the way it's built, it looks it looks deceiving. If you look at this picture, you're thinking that's one of those floor models. That's like one of the giant industrial floor models. Right. Um, I need to see like a quarter in this picture, or a person's hand or something to give me the right <laughs> yeah. scale because it looks way bigger than it is. But that is actually the 12 inch model for the benchtop. So yeah, isn't it like the size of like a lunchbox planer or something? Yeah, it would have That's to what it be. Looks right? like. And and you would assume that the port on the top, uh, looking at the size, looks like it's probably a four inch port at the top. So yeah, I mean, it, it it's only a one foot conveyor on there, 12 inches across. So it's it's pretty small. So I think that's actually a pretty good buy unless he's really going to be doing a lot of tabletops and really wide panels that he's going to want to drum sand. But again, like me, I get around that just by making sure it's glued up pretty well to begin with and yeah. nice and flat. Um, so to, to address some of his other questions, um, grit changes. For me, because I'm a little bit lazy, it does take a couple minutes to change the grit. I tend to keep the same grit on there all the time, and I usually settle on... Uh, depending on what, what I have and what mood I'm in, it's either 80 or 120. And I will always then hand sand, hand, I say, I mean a random orbit sander, uh, after the fact, and I bring it up to my final 180, doing that with the random orbit sander. So 120 typically is where most of the time where I'm going to leave it. I get it off of the drum sander, I hit it with 120 on the random orbit sander, and then I jump up to 180. So it's only two grits that I have to do uh, by hand. Uh, I, you know, you could go to 180 and 220, but you are always going to want to hit it with a random orbit sander. At least I have found this. You always want to hit it with the random orbit sander after the drum sander because it tends to leave much deeper grit lines than you would otherwise get. And they're all in a straight line. Um, and that's when you see them. You see lines when they're in a straight line, but when they're in a random pattern, the way you get from a random orbit sander, your eye doesn't pick up that pattern. And you can't see it. So, you know, you're always going to hit it anyway. So that's why I typically stop at 120. Uh, I could put 180 paper on there, but I find the 180, it's just way too fine. Uh, and I can't, I don't remove enough material with a 180 grid. So, 
You know, I've always found that with, uh, you know, products like the, these, uh, uh, these sanders and stuff, it gives me a far too level of a surface and the scratch patterns <laughs> just are too consistent for my type of work. And people therefore no longer believe that I actually built it. So I choose to avoid this at all costs. It just, that's it's good, not good. That's a good way to look at it. Uh, I'll accept that. <laughs> Um, you know, other- I gotta say, like Norm Abrams had that like behemoth, that like Volkswagen bug-sized mm-hmm. drum sander in his shop. Yeah, I don't think I ever saw him use it. I think I, I saw him use it a paper couple once. times, but not which, which tells you something because this is a guy that's really has a tool for everything. And if you never really saw him use it, how yeah. much do you really need one? Well, and imagine taking up that much real estate in your shop Seriously. for a tool that you only use once in a while. That's nuts. But that's anyway, right. Anyway, so the, he asked about wasted. Uh, paper. Well, difficulty changing, it's not that difficult. It takes about 30 seconds, um, but it's just kind of annoying. Um, so that's why I don't like to do it that often, but I can't really say it's truly difficult. It's just a task that I don't feel like doing. Um, and whether you waste the paper, usually the the stuff that you're going to use in the middle, the, the busiest parts, those will most likely be no good afterwards, but you will always have little trailing bits on the ends that can be used for other things. So in fact, if you want to just kind of cut them up and use them as little scraps for sanding in tight areas, you can get some extra life out of them that way if you wanted to. Sweet. So, cool. so that's it for drum sanders. And I do recommend getting one if you, if you have the means. I highly recommend it. They're so choice. Nice. Well, you know, now that hopefully we, uh, you've answered Jim's question and we've helped to put a little extra spotlight onto it by uh, my cute comments and Shannon's more insightful ones, <laughs> um, I think it's time to move on to an audience favorite that we have, which is sweet deals, 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 deals. <laughs> Uh, and uh, that was spontaneous. Nice. And in honor of Independence Days, of course, it's time for the annual Independence Day sales. So let us free you from the burden of your cash Absolutely. with these sweet deals. Well said. And I'm, I'm going to start out with the very first one here, which is Lee Valley. They are offering free shipping until July 11th. So all you have to do is head Ooh, on bad. over to uh, LeeValley.com, and they will be more than happy to relieve you of the burden of that cash in the tyranny of any credit cards that you have amongst you. <laughs> yes, uh, free at last. Let's see. <laughs> uh, the next thing I have up is uh, I talked about this in the, in the last episode. Uh, it's uh, Bob Lang's Woodworker's Guide to SketchUp. You can find it over at craftsmanplans.com. And right now, it's kind of getting this up a little bit late, but if you order a copy by July 1st, you can pick it up for uh, $29.99 or $30, and there's no shipping charges on that. Once uh, it goes to July 2nd, it will then be up to $40, I do believe it is, and you'll pay shipping and handling. So if you're interested at all in picking up that, which I, I highly recommend, I, th- I think it's a, a great resource. Of course, Mark said something about there's another website out there that's education or something. Sketchucation. <laughs> yeah, anything with education scares me. Yeah. Um, and then the last one that I have, starting on July 1st, so we have two days going up to it, Check Edge Tools is celebrating their fifth anniversary by having a big sale, and that's free shipping on all orders over $30. So check them out at checkedge.com. And um, that's my sales. Hey, Shannon, you got anything going on? Sure. My uh, inbox was full of emails from dealers today. Yeah, no uh, Peachtree Woodworking, of course, has a 4th of July sale, 25% off everything that ends July 4th. Now, I couldn't find any fine print on this, so I don't know if that includes, like, excludes Festool tools or whatever. But um, if you use the code JULY1, Apparently, you get 25% off of everything. It's got to exclude, exclude the good stuff. They always do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, you know, I figured if I'm going to be on this show, I should talk about wood turning at least once. Um, so Penn no! State Industries is having a, a sale right now. Buy three of the same style of pen, get one free. But that, like um, like the SketchUp thing, that runs until July 1st. Okay. So hurry up. Cool. Get over there. Penn State, P-E-N-N State, I-N-D.com. Mm-hmm. They have some nice pens. Um, Woodcraft. They are also doing free shipping on orders over $25. And I looked, and I did not see any fine print on this. This runs until uh, July 6th. And I actually just got a Woodcraft magazine uh, or Woodcraft catalog, whatever, in the mail today. And if anybody watched Chris Schwartz's latest thing about building a <laughs> one-hour bench top out of a laminated bench, Woodcraft sells them. And if you can get free shipping, that's a deal. That's a but- booyah deal. Um, you yeah. know, I see this Carter Products one. Is that at on their website? I didn't. This this is not one that I put in here. Is there a particular yeah, vendor? That was actually me too. That I got okay. an email on that as well. Um, this is, I believe, it's on their website. I, I just got an email direct to my account since I bought okay. them before. Mm-hmm. Um, thirty thirty dollars off their quick release tool. That's that big handle on the back of the uh, bandsaw. Oh, that is so. And sweet. then um, thirty bucks off their guide set which it's a Jet Delta guide set. It also fits on Grizzlies because I actually have it on my Grizzly. This thing revolutionized my bandsaw. Mm-hmm. Incredible guide set. So use the code MUSA10 and you get $30 off. Cool. Yeah, never underestimate the uh, the power of a good set of guides on a bandsaw. Okay, I've got one here that was sent to us from David White. He let us know, and I don't, I'm not familiar with this particular vendor, but it's SierraTradingPost.com. Uh, they have a uh, diamond sharpening stone that's two sided, and it's only thirty two fifty. So for diamond stuff, that's that's pretty darn good. I love that stuff. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Eagle America has uh, four dollars super saver shipping for orders that are under ninety nine dollars, and then they have uh, complete free shipping for anything over ninety nine dollars, and that's good till uh, July fifth. And they created this wonderfully convenient and easy to remember code E two one zero zero six two three. Oh, I remember that like the back of my hand. Oh, the, the, the E is that. silent, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, Wasn't there a T at the end of that? <laughs> I mean, they usually, when they give us like specific codes for the show, they're really good at coming up with stuff that's you know uh, easy to remember or related like to. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. What were they thinking? What are you What are you doing over there, you guys? All right. <laughs> it must be the bosses out and the uh, the workers are actually like we're doing what? Who? W what? Uh, yeah. Just give them something. <laughs> uh, Tim's probably not laughing right now. Okay, uh, we're going to go to Tom's tip, and, and I must apologize. I don't have a Carrie's tip today. I do have a Tom's tip to make you feel a little bit better. Um, I failed to give Carrie enough notice and uh, forgot to mention it. So, Oh, I'm, I'm leaving right now. Chat room empty out now. Yeah, it, it, mass exodus in droves. Um, so wait, let's, let's put this wonderful picture of Tom up first because everyone wants to see it. It's like looks like um reminds me of a school picture I would have had like in third grade. Most likely to become <laughs> to become a crazy blogger. Okay, here's Tom's tip, and it's about one of my favorite topics, lube. Tom's tips. That's right, I said Tom's tips. I didn't say Tom's lips. I said Tom's tips. Hello, everyone. It's Tom Iovino from Tom's Workbench, and it's time for another one of Tom's tips. Everything works better with lube. Now, get your minds out of the gutter and work with me here. The gears on your table saw height and bevel adjustments need to be lubricated regularly to work well, but most things you spray or wipe on just collect sawdust and make a big mess. 
What I found works best in the duct confines of my saw is graphite. You can get the powdered stuff at most auto parts stores, or if you are cost conscious, read cheap, you can literally color your gears with a carpenter's pencil. Just apply and you'll have smoothly working gears that don't attract dust. Now, back to your sordid thoughts. If you want to discover more clever, useful, or even somewhat coherent tips, check out my blog at tomsworkbench.com or visit the Wood Whisperer community at community.thewoodwhisperer.com. I do indeed have sordid thoughts, that's for sure. Yeah, I should sort mine out one of these days. <laughs> sorted thoughts, that's fine. <laughs> Good joke. Okay, well, I think that actually does it for the show, right? Anybody got anything else that I may have missed? I think we're good. No, I'm looking at the notes and I'm I'm all covered. Cool. Well, uneventful. I think we got through it, except for in the beginning with uh, Matt's Darth Vader electronic voice that he had there for it's, a minute. It was a Darth Nihilus. <laughs> and you, you know what? You got to call your, your cable company and get them to fix that because that is just unacceptable. And we'll talk online. Yeah, I know. Better. They don't know who they're messing with. What is up with that? <laughs> you should do that. You should be like, do you know who I am? I'm a podcaster. <laughs> Man, my, the whole chat room i was with right now they are so angry at you they're oh, never gonna buy it in your area oh, 40 okay, you people. know if you really want results use the podfather name that'll do it and there you go that's it matt the podfather of woodworking oh well boy. all three of us are participating in the wood whisperer guild build aren't we i know well i think i am yeah so yeah i think you are yeah. aren't you, matt? <laughs> I, I, i'm trying to get all my stuff together right now and uh i i should be there i might be a little bit behind when it gets started but I will eventually reach the end somewhere around Christmas. <laughs> I, I will be involved, and I am actually going to try to carve ball and claw feet, so it oh, should be fun. You better oh, document oh. that. If you do, we'll put it on the, the Guild site. Let everybody see it. <laughs> that would be awesome. All right. Well, hey, thanks for listening, everybody. Matt, you want to go over that uh, contact information one more time? Absolutely. You can reach us by email at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. You can pick up the phone and leave us a message on our voicemail, much like Jim did, at 623-242-2450. Or you can find us on Twitter at MBW Podcast or at Wood Whisperer or at Renaissance WW. And you can also find all this information at woodtalkonline.com. So hopefully we'll hear from you one way or the other. But if you've got something to say, a question, comment, whatever it is, Hey, get your voice heard. So uh, get it in there somehow, one way or the other. Just, just do it. Just do it, man. And if you're in the chat room, stick around. We'll have a Adult Swim where I will say things like poopy and wiener. And I'll be like, Mark, stop it. Yes. Stop it's it's going to be fantastic. So th- thanks, guys. And uh, for Shannon, for Matt, I'm Mark Spagnolo, and we'll see you next time. Auf Wiedersehen. This is Darth Nihilus. <laughs> 